Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and open them to Galatians chapter 5. And if you don't, you can either use your phone in a Bible app, or you can also uh, open the Pew Bible to page 1015, which is where we will find ourselves this morning in Galatians chapter 5. But as we get started, if you've been with us or if you're with us for the first time, we have been walking through the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And the biggest issue that the Galatians are having is that they are falling away from what it is that they first believed, that is, the truth of the gospel. And we've been saying it all all along in here, but they began to believe a gospel plus kind of faith. They begin to say that I can believe the gospel, but I also have to do all of these things in order to be considered righteous. But we settled on one thing our very first week together is that at the end of the day, the gospel can be boiled down into four words, God's work, not mine. It doesn't matter how much I do, whether right or wrong, it is not about the work that I do, but it is about the work that God has already done through his son, Jesus Christ. And so as we continue to walk in Galatians, We are encouraged today by the words that Paul has to give to the church there and to us. And so let us go ahead and open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called Freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, 
As we hear your word this morning, Lord, let it be a testimony to our hearts that Christ came to set us free, and it was for freedom that he set us free, Lord, that you did not call us into slavery, but to freedom. And so, God, as we unpack these words today, allow them to speak true to our heart. Allow us to rejoice in their magnificence and what it is that you have done for us. And out of that, that we might love greatly. And so, Lord, make a little of myself this morning and glorify yourself with all the glory that you are due. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we get started this morning, I want to share, as always, a little story with you about how this might apply in some sort of off obscure way of our own lives and our own ventures and gatherings, right? And so for me, as I was reading this passage, I started thinking about one specific point in my life, a point that at some point every single one of us has been through. It's one of those key transition points for every single person. It's, it's the moment in our lives that we leave home. That moment where we're no longer under our parents' roof or our guardian's roof, where we no longer have to obey by their rules and by their demands and by their structures. For me, that was when I left for college, you know? And so for some, that might be the moment they turn 18, they, they leave and, and go into the workforce or they go into military service or like me, they go off to college. But, but for all of us, we have this transition point in our lives where we move from under our parents' roof to no longer under our parents' roof. And I don't know about you, but for me, that, that, was, that was freeing. That was freedom. It was the moment that I no longer had to listen to what they said. I no longer had to obey my mom and my dad. And so I no longer had to eat this or eat that, whatever they put on the table. I no longer had curfews that I had to obey. There were no more chores. Oh my goodness, I cannot tell you how thankful I was that I no longer had to make sure that my dishes were put away in the dishwasher, that I no longer had to make sure that the grass was cut and that the trash was taken out. Make sure that my room was clean. Oh my goodness. The freedom to not have to clean my own room. It could be as dirty and as messy as I wanted with clothes just spread everywhere. Let me tell you, even to this day, oh, I do not put my clothes away well. Oh, I do not. No more restrictions. And on top of all of that, there were no more punishments. If I did not do anything that they wanted me to do, it didn't matter. They couldn't punish me anymore. I was no longer under their roof. I was free. I was in college. This was my time to shine, to do as I pleased, to do what I wanted to do. And so for all of us, at some point in our lives, we had this transition moment where we had this taste of freedom, this, this desire to no longer be obedient to the rules that our parents had because if we were disobedient, we were in full rebellion and we were, we were told so by our parents. We were let known by being grounded, sent to our rooms, put in time out, whatever it was. And since... Since two years old, we just, we just wanted to say no. And finally, at 18, we could do it. There was freedom to make our own choices. And so I went off to college for the first time. And, 
And I got to choose how I wanted to live. I got to choose when I woke up. I got to choose whether or not I went to class. I got to choose who my friends were, whether or not I wanted to go to church. I got to choose the social clubs that I would be involved in. And I got to choose whether or not I would stay at school or go home on the weekends and where I traveled and how I spent my money. I was truly free. But here's the thing that I think all of us quickly learned in that transition period. That as we began to experience and taste freedom and got to do things according to our own will, apart from whatever our parents were saying, that we quickly realized that the choices we make could actually enslave us. They could actually be for our bad. They could not be for our good. The, the things that my parents put around as boundaries for me were actually good for me. I began to learn that if I didn't wake up on time, that I probably wasn't going to get to class on time. And at that point, I just chose not to go to class. But if I kept choosing to not go to class, it would inevitably negatively affect my grades. And I certainly didn't want to be the person with bad grades. I wanted good grades. I wanted to pass my classes. I wanted to actually pass them really well. I wanted A's. But if I didn't get up at the decent hour to get to class on time to make sure that I was going to class, then everything would be negatively affected. And so for each of us at some point in this transition, as we leave our homes of our parents and begin to taste freedom, we then realize that, oh, well, maybe the reason they started saying these things in the first place was actually for our good. And then we actually realize that what freedom means is the freedom to choose. Whether we're going to keep doing what they had said because it was for our good, it was for us to prosper in our lives or to choose to do it our own way and realize that maybe it's not going to quite work out the way we wanted it to. And so actually, as we look at our passage today, I think Paul is going to be telling us the exact same thing in matters of faith. Paul is writing to the Galatians because they were wavering on what was true and on what had already been revealed to them and what the gospel had done for them. And so they were starting to buy all these other lies, thinking that they could do it in their own way and that in their own way that it was going to be good for them. But what they were really finding is that they were actually putting themselves back under a yoke of slavery and it wasn't good for them, in fact. But also there was a freedom to choose willingly that choosing what was good, choosing what Christ had set before us would actually be the freedom we were looking for. And so we open our passage today, and Paul just goes right for it. He gets right to the heart of the matter in verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, Jesus did the work so that we don't have to. Jesus paid the price that we could not pay. Jesus settled the debt that we could not settle. Jesus brought, bought our righteousness that we could not afford. And Jesus wiped our sin away, which we could not do ourselves. He did all of that. Why? 
Paul says, to set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Not, not to enslave us again. The, the, the motives of Christ in, in wanting to set us free was not to re-enslave us to what he wants us to do. I think we need to see that so clearly because oftentimes I feel like in the Christian faith and maybe even in the younger generations, in my generations, they look at following Jesus as a trap. That to follow him means to actually give up my freedom to choose what I want to do. The, the freedom to, to do whatever I want, my selfishness. And that to choose Jesus means that I'm enslaved to his will and his desires. But quite honestly, what Jesus is doing is like, no, like I set you free for freedom, not for enslavement, for you are already enslaved. Paul reminds us so many times in Romans that, that to be under sin is to actually be a slave to sin. It's not that you are free to choose whether or not you want to do good or evil. You are simply enslaved to do evil, but only under Christ. Do you find yourself free to actually choose what is good or to choose what is bad? And so Jesus actually wasn't trying to pull a bait and switch here. He wasn't trying to say, like, I'm setting you free, but just to enslave you again. No, he's saying I'm setting you free because this is real freedom you actually get to choose what it is that you want to do. This is radical theology during the day. You see, every other religion at that time had this requirement that in order to follow in their ways, you had to do these certain things. But, but in Jesus, in Jesus, he's saying, like, there is nothing that you have to do. There is nothing that you can do. You are really free if you are in me. We no longer have to be shackled to religious rigors but we're free to do as we like in Christ Jesus. That's radical. But notice what Paul says after that. He continues, he says, stand firm. Stand firm because you have been set free. Stand firm in your freedom. You see, what he's saying is it, it could be really easy to turn right back. I mean, I think we've all experienced that at some point in our lives, how easy it could be to turn back into our own works thinking, well, I can do this myself. I mean, we've been talking about that this entire series is how easy it is to want to turn back to our own works righteousness, thinking that I can do it myself. It's easy to be deceived and led astray into thinking that I can do my own work. In fact, I can hear it from people all around me. And the Galatians were hearing it from these people that were coming to their town and letting them know, oh, by the way, you, you must be circumcised if you want to be considered righteous in Christ. You, you have to follow this rule if you actually want to be considered among those that Jesus loves. But Paul again is saying, but you have to stand firm because those people are going to come. They're going to try to blindside you with things that they think that you should do. The ways that you think that they, that they think that you should act, act in the, and we will react to them. 
when things aren't necessarily done our way. And so we actually become slaves to those things. We become enslaved to trying to do things our own way. But Paul says that we need to stand firm. The, the literal Greek translation means to continue in the way and keep on continuing. Don't forget that these distractions that are coming before you are merely that, just distractions. They're not really freedom. They're slavery. And so he continues to reiterate to the Galatians what we've been hearing all along, their, their foolishness. In fact, actually in this passage today, he intensifies their foolishness. He says in verses 2 through 4 and 7 through 12, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. He says, if in fact you accept this one little thing, Christ doesn't matter. If you accept this one little law thing that you think that you have to work and, and, and receive, then Christ is of no benefit. That's a huge statement. If we believe one small little work righteousness thing in our heart that we have to do, then Christ is not advantageous, advantageous to us. It means that he simply served no purpose. If we have to think that even there's one small little thing that we have to work for in order to garner the love and fullness of affection of Jesus Christ then we've actually made his entire love and affection for us null and void. Because he said, you don't have to do anything for me to love you. You don't have to do anything to receive the fullness of the righteousness that I already paid for you. And if you try to start buying it, you're only going to realize that you're going to fail. In fact, because he continues in verse 3, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You see, when we in our hearts begin to think that there is one small little thing that we have to keep, then we have to become obligated to the entire thing that we would have to keep. It's not just that we can say, well, I'm going to accept this and not accept the rest of it, if I do this one little thing and find myself righteous, then all these other things that would make me unrighteous don't really matter. Can anyone explain how that would make sense? If you've got the entire law set before you, but you only think you have to keep one thing and that's what will make you righteous, but you've neglected the 644 other laws... So to keep one means you now obligate yourself to all of them. Today, it's the same kind of thought and of how Scripture, we take it today and we'll pin, pick, nitpick these little verses that I like and I don't like this verse, so that's not Scripture for me, but this is Scripture for me. We begin to nitpick the Bible as Christians today. It's not for them, it was the law. For us, we're looking at Scripture and we're like, well, I don't like that. I don't like what Jesus said about this. I don't like what he said about marriage. I don't like what he said about sexual immorality. I don't like what he said about anger. And so we start to say, well, I don't want this, but I'll take this. I'll take this Jesus. It's the same thing. Paul is warning against the same thing. You can't, you can't say that you want one part and not say you want all of it. And so he continues 
And I have, oh, whoops, sorry, went a little too far. You are severed from Christ when you do this. You would, you would be justified by the, wall, the law, so you have fallen away from grace. It's really simple. If you make yourself a slave to the law, then grace doesn't have a place. Why? Because grace simply means it's a gift. Your righteousness is a gift. And so if you aren't wanting to receive the free gift and you think you have to work for it, it's no longer grace. It's no longer something that God gave you freely because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. And you see, that's what we need to keep getting at. Jesus did it for free on the cross. That's, that's it. It is, it is for freedom that he, that he did it. And then he continues by saying, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. For a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And I have confidence in this, that the Lord will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Look, I, I, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I love to, to, to cook and to bake. It's kind of one of my things, and I've, I've tried to make bread on so many occasions, and there are many times that I have used just the smallest amount of yeast in order to make a loaf of bread, and I overproofed it. Like, I mean, it just exploded. It was going everywhere. Um, it was spilling out of the sides and into, like, just down. I'm like, what did I do wrong and then the cleanup, I don't know if you've ever touched like sticky dough, bread, lumpy, yeasty stuff, but it is super sticky. It doesn't clean up really well. But what, what Paul is saying, he's like, even the smallest amount will ruin the whole thing. Just the smallest amount will ruin the whole thing. And I used just the wrong amount and I ruined my entire loaf of bread. And in the same way, if we, if we let just a hint of false teaching into our hearts, it's going gonna, it's gonna to distort everything that we believe about Jesus and the gospel. It's going to distort the fullness of the freedom that we could have in him if we just don't let it go, if we just don't push it aside, if we don't say, hey, I'm not going to hold on to that. And for, for the Galatians, it was circumcision. They thought if they could just hold on to circumcision, then everything else would be good. But eventually, it's going to be circumcision. And then from circumcision, you know, they're going to start having to obey all the festivals and keep kosher law. And then eventually, you know, they're just going to start going back up and making sacrifices in the temple. And for us today, I think maybe the equivalent could be like baptism, right? Like if we start handing out baptisms free willy-nilly, like we believe that baptism is the means by which you have to be saved. Like you have to be baptized in order to be saved. Well, that's not in Scripture. But a lot of us believe it. We believe that if you're not baptized, then you're not saved. And then eventually, it gets to the point where we're like, well, maybe we'll give one baptism, two baptisms. And then eventually, you start giving a person 100 baptisms because the first 99 weren't really effective in saving them, but that 100th one. We do that. We do that today. We have that mentality that that one little bit then ruined the entire point and purpose of baptism in the same way it ruined the entire point and purpose of of circumcision you see at that moment Christ was no longer advantageous to them they had leavened the whole lump with just a one little bit of false teaching that they had let get into them and so they need to stand firm we need to stand firm we need to 
choose freedom. We need to remember the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. A plan that a freedom that is to prosper us. But, but here's the thing, and here's where I want us to be careful. Freedom in Christ isn't license to do whatever we want. And I know I said earlier that freedom means we have the freedom to choose to do whatever we want. And that is true. I'm not actually going to deny that. In Christ Jesus, we have the freedom to choose whether or not we want to do good or do bad. Grace covers a multitude of sins. But Paul reminds us in Romans, do, just because grace covers a multitude of sins, does that mean that I should go on sinning? Absolutely not. Why? Why? Because... The Spirit, by faith, this is verse 5, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Because the Spirit of God that, that moved on us to give us the faith to believe in Jesus is giving us the hope that we would one day also be completely righteous. Yes, we are made righteous in Christ. God looks at us and sees the righteousness of Jesus placed upon us. But then there is also this hope that we would live into the fullness of what that means. And so in verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. For you were called to freedom, brothers. This is verse 13. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You see, Paul is trying to say, look, by the Spirit of God, he gave it to you that you would believe God chose you so that you would have the freedom then to choose Him. By putting His Spirit upon you and within you, you were quickened to know that everything about Jesus was true and all that He did was right and good and that He literally did die and pay the price so that we might live, that for freedom we would be set free. And so in putting that Spirit within us, then he clarifies that we were called to freedom. And that we should not, what then? He says that we should not use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You see, we have to recognize that freedom, just like when I was telling you about my freedom by going off to college, was the realization that doing bad things for me actually were bad for me. And that Jesus, just like my parents gave me boundaries to follow, we too in Christ have boundaries, not because we are enslaved to them, but because we realize that in the freedom we have in Jesus Christ, that they are actually good for us. And then Paul reiterates that second greatest commandment is how we overcome the flesh. He said that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says that the whole law is actually fulfilled in that 
one word. But how can that be so? Because we all know the first commandment, the greatest commandment, is to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. So how can the whole law be summarized in the second? Because in order for the second to happen, you have to have the first. You can't love your neighbor as yourself if you do not already love God. Because what John, 1 John reminds us that God is love. And that the spirit of God within me cannot hate any of one, anyone else because he is love. And so to love your neighbor as yourself is to love God first and foremost. And so when he says to us that in Christ we have been set free for freedom, it is the freedom to know that grace covers everything, but by the spirit of God, grace also gives you the power to love Jesus with a love that loves your neighbor as yourself, which means you are setting aside your selfishness, your wants, your desires for God's wants, God's will, God's desires. And so the question that I leave each of us with today is, how are we going to use our freedom in Christ Jesus? How are we going to choose to live because truthfully God does give you a choice in him he he gives you that freedom to choose to do bad things to do wrong things to do sinful things to live in sin in him he gives you the freedom to choose to do that and, and his grace will cover it you are forgiven because you are free but if you want what is good for you, what will prosper you, what will flourish you, you will use your freedom to choose him and to choose his ways and to choose his love and his will and his desires. And let us as a church walk in that way and see how it changes the community within us and the community outside of us because he will. He's done it before, he'll do it again. He did it with Paul and the Galatians. He can do it here in Griffin. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we are reminded that we have freedom because Christ set us free. Jesus, it was your work on the cross. God, it was by the gospel of Jesus that we are free, that we've been set free from our sin. We've been set free from our selfishness. We've been set free from the slavery of doing our own wants and desires so that we can choose you. And so, Lord, in, in freedom... Let us stand firm and continue in the way that you've set before us, knowing, Jesus, that you are the one that our heart is set upon. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you for what you're doing, what you have done, and what you continue to do in us and through us. And so it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.